Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. We've been talking about this book, uh, Surprise to All, and we've been looking at the, what are the five habits, not the five, but just five habits of highly missional people. We've talked about um, blessing people, uh, with the habit being blessed three people each week, at least one of whom is not a Christian. Eat with three people, at least one of whom is not a Christian. Uh, spend t- one time per week listening for the Spirit's voice. Um, one time learning Jesus each week. Uh, and then the last one, which someone scratched off for some reason. I'm not sure why that happened. Um, but, but the acronym that it spells is, is BELLS. And so I kind of want to start at the end of the talk a little bit. We're going to kind of go backwards today. And I want to ask us, what do we do now? So we're coming to the end of this series. We've, we've talked about all of these habits. We've had a go at them each week. What, what happens next? Now, some of you, who, of whom I have the greatest respect, are going to put this little chart maybe on your fridge and each week you're going to go through and you're going to tick things off and if that's you then I want to please pray for me at the end because I need to be more organized in my life Um, but my honest expectation and this is not a criticism but my honest expectation is most of us will kind of forget we'll go on about our lives we'll uh, you know we'll kind of think to ourselves every now and then oh yeah I should do some of those things and then won't really do them or might do half of them or, and then you might feel a bit bad. Um, but I want to let you know, this is probably a good time to let you know, this whole series was a clever setup. I do this to you guys all the time. I'm sorry. Um, but this clever, this series was a clever setup because hello, David. Oh, David's going to come help me preach. Thanks, David. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. That's very helpful. Is he reading my notes? Here you go, David. Can you take David to mum? Thank you. So I've left you in suspense long enough. This series is a clever series because what we wanted to do is we wanted to have a series where we would show you that you can do it. We wanted to, to give you evidence in your life that you could actually do these things, that you can be a missional person. One of my favourite things I learned studying psychology in undergrad, and this is, so let's go back two slides now to the out-of-order slides. One more. Um, One of the things that I learned as a psychology undergrad is that our beliefs shape our behaviour. That sounds fairly obvious, right? If we have certain beliefs, if we think that things are important, then we do them. But it's just as true the other way around that the things we do shape our beliefs, now, the, all the mechanisms that underlie that are really interesting. I'll tell you about that afterwards if you like. But just trust me on this, that if you want to ch- you change your behavior, changing your beliefs will help. But equally, if you want to change your beliefs, then you can change your behavior in order to convince yourself of that. And that's what we're doing in this series. If you've been here each week, if you've had a go at each of these things, then you now know that you actually can do everything you need to do to be a missional person. If I had have asked, uh, you know, taken a straw poll at the start of who thinks they're a highly missional person, I don't think any of us would have put our hands up. Maybe one or two. But now you know that you can do it. Like, we can all do this. One of the founding principles of this church is that mission is not a place that we go. It's not a program that, 
the church runs. It's not a person that we sponsor in a faraway country. Mission is a way of life, and all of us are called to it as God's people. So moving forward, are we going to be a Bell's church? Like if you've read the book, um, one of the things that um, Mike suggests, and my slides have disappeared. Can someone grab Jen's iPad? And Thanks, Laura. <laughs> she does a good job. She just, Davey's just always very, no, that's all right. Davey always times his interruptions to when Jen needs to change slides. Um, so go, go back to the, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, are we going to be a Bell's church? If you've read the book, um, Mike has this helpful suggestion of forming groups where you go through each week and talk about how you went each week. We're not going to do that. Not because we don't think it's a good idea, but that's, um, that's not necessarily what we've been trying to do here. Rather, my hope is that um, we can all try and practice this for a little while, practice these habits so they kind of become muscle memory. I remember when I first started to learn the piano, and I was learning chords. I learned that, um, you know, if you wanted a C chord, you'd do a, a C and an E and a G. And then you wanted to go to the five, so you'd do a G chord, which is G, B, D. And I'd sit there, and I'd kind of work out what it was, and then I'd play around with inverting them and doing first and second inversions and all those exciting things. And I would think about it very consciously, but what happened is over time, it became muscle memory. You know, like, I, I didn't have to think. I, I just, I'd want to play a C chord, and I could just do it by muscle memory. Um, and in the same way, my hope is that these kind of habits, that we just, we become the kind of people who just live this way because we, that's just how we live. We're just used to it. Um, now, you're probably wondering why I've scratched out the S. Well, the reason for that is because I'm going to be very exegetical today, and we're actually going to start with a passage, and we're going to let the passage... Uh, inform what we're doing. So if you have a Bible handy, why don't you open up to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read 16 to 20. Uh, If you've been around church for a little while, um, this might be a very familiar verse. Uh, If you're new to church, then this is a really good one um, to, to learn. Let me find where I put it. There we go. So the context for this is that um, Jesus, has, Jesus has died on the cross and he's risen again. He's appeared to, uh, to his disciples and to many other people. And the, the sort of final thing he does right at the end, uh, according to Matthew's gospel, is he calls his disciples together. And this is where we pick up for this passage. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Let's go through this passage together. So the first thing that happens, I just, I just kind of want to step us through it because this, this is going to help uh, us get to this final letter that was scratched out. Um, the first thing that happens is they, that we hear is that they go to the mountain. So Jesus has said, I want you guys to meet me in this spot at this time. And so they show up. The second thing they do, they see the risen Jesus and they worship. And I think that's, you know, it would be easy to skip over that line. I think when we encounter the risen Jesus, you know, it's all we can, like we can't help ourselves. We'll worship. And so that's what the disciples do. They worship him. 
Um, and then Jesus gives them three commands, which are going to come up on the screen here. The first one is, go and make disciples of all nations. The second one, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then finally, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So I want to make two observations about this passage that will help us work towards this final letter. The first one uh, is to know that I think the order of these commands matters. I think the order matters. Why? Because I think by default, the way that we do it is actually backwards. Like if we're left to our own devices, I think churches and Christians will actually do this the other way around. We kind of start by teaching everyone to obey the commands of Jesus. We expect that when people show up, they will talk like us, they'll look like us, they'll know all of our buzzwords, you know, they'll listen to CCM music, you know, we just kind of, and if they don't, we expect them to kind of come, incorporate into the culture and fall in line. And then once they've been around for a little while, once they've got their behavior in line, we go, okay, well, now it's time to say the prayer and let's, let's make you a Christian, let's go and baptize you. And then, it's only then, once they've, once they've got to that milestone, then we think discipleship is what happens after baptism. It's, it's then, once, once you've done all, of, once you've got in line, once you're like us, then we'll invest in you. And I think that's a shame because that's exactly the opposite of the way that Jesus did it. You see, in the Gospels, if you read through Matthew's Gospels, you get to chapter 4, and that's the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He's, he's been baptized, he's uh, been tempted in the desert, and when his ministry starts, the first act that we have recorded that Jesus did is he went by a lake, found some fishermen and called them to follow him. You know, these guys, you know, Jesus was a traveling rabbi. If you were a traveling rabbi and you wanted disciples, that was a, that was a common thing back in that day. You didn't choose fishermen. They didn't, they didn't have the right clothes. You know, they smelled like fish. Uh, you know, they, they weren't educated. They were people who lived off the land and just um, and live day to day um, by what they caught. They weren't the right people to be, you know, disciples of a traveling rabbi. And yet Jesus saw something in them that even they didn't. And, you know, it's really interesting. If you keep reading through Matthew, it's not until uh, Matthew chapter 16 that one of the disciples first recognizes Jesus as Christ that Peter confesses Jesus as Christ. And so we have 12 chapters of Jesus investing his very best, the Son of God investing his very best into this group of people. We have 12 chapters of that before they recognize that he's the Christ. And so if we want to do this backwards, if we want to expect people to fall in line before we invest in them, then don't call yourself a Christian church because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus found people, he saw potential in them, and he began to invest in them straight away before they recognized that he was Christ. You know, I think sometimes we think that, um, you know, we, we pray these prayers, right? Like we say, God, send us the, the poor and the brokenhearted and the disappointed and the, the cast out. And then when, show up at, when they show up at church, like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> you know, uh, we expect people to be kind of humble and polite and receptive, but more often than not, people have very good reasons for wanting nothing to do with the church or nothing to do with Jesus. And so if we want to, st- if we want to start by doing this backwards, we're, we're not going to reach anyone, are we? Because, you know, people, people don't want to hear about Jesus. So many people don't want to hear about Jesus, but if we show them 
if we, show, if we choose to invest in them anyway, if we show them what it's like doing life with Jesus at the center, if we show them the fruit in our own lives, if we bless them, if we eat with them, suddenly the game changes and suddenly people start to be curious. And that's the whole premise of this book. So the first thing is that the order matters. The second thing I want to point out about this passage is that the command that hangs this whole, uh, this whole um, commission together is this command to go. Now, people who know, uh, um, people who know Greek grammar better than me um, will tell you that, uh, that the word go, it kind of is attached to each of those clauses. Go and make disciples. Go and baptize them. Go and teach them to obey. Now, if you, were, uh, if you were there on that mountain, it would be fairly obvious to you that you weren't going to do all of these things on the mountain in that space, right? Like, like you have to go and do the stuff. But I wonder if you noticed, I only picked this up a couple of days ago, um, that the, the passage we just read, it's a bit like a church service, isn't it? You know, like they all come together, they worship, they have an announcement. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. <laughs> announcement. Um, and then he gives them a, a message and then they go, they scatter, they go off to do the ministry. And it's so obvious in this context, in this passage, that it's not supposed to happen on the mountain. It's supposed to happen out in the world. And yet I think sometimes we get caught in this idea of thinking that the ministry is supposed to happen in the church. Like we love doing ministry in the church. Like we shouldn't ever stop doing this kind of ministry in the church. But it, it, it shouldn't stop when we walk out the door. That's why our sign over there says you're now entering a mission field. You know, it's such a cliche, but it's so important to recognize that I think some of the best mission actually happens outside of the church. Now, we love gathering in this space. You know, we have a high value on Sundays. But it's not our expectation that all of the ministry will happen here because Jesus told us to go. And so we've looked into the passage. And so where do we land? Well, this word go is really important because the final letter is <laughs> sent. The final habit of highly missional people is to, yeah, no pressure, Laura. The final habit of highly missional people is to know that you're sent. Now, if you read through the chapter in the book, what Mike recommends is that um, each of us take one time per week to remind ourselves of the ways that we are, we're alerting people to Jesus. You know, it's that diagram that I had before of, you know, belief, influence, behavior, behavior, influence, belief. And so by reminding yourself of the way that you've been missional during the week, um, you're actually, it helps reinforce this idea. It reminds you that as the passage says, we have been sent into the world. Jesus said, go. Now, the way that Mike suggests doing this is either by meeting in a small group um, or by journaling. Now, I have tried to be a journaler. Like, I know so many people who, who do that really well. And if that's one of you, again, please pray for me after the service. <laughs> but I've tried, I, I just, I, it's just a habit that I just can't seem to pick up. Um, and so I want to suggest if you can take up a habit that does this, this is a really good idea. But my hope in sharing with you about scent today is that you would know deep in your heart that you are a missionary in the kingdom of God. That you, like those first disciples, you have been sent. You have been sent to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them everything that Jesus commanded. You have been sent. So I want to show you some diagrams that I've shown before, um, but the church is much smaller then, and so um, 
hopefully so th these will be entertaining at least for some of uh, they'll be new for some of you and entertaining for some of you so there's three ways you can do your church there are kind of three models we can work with um, there's probably more but these are the three categories i want to show us the first one is what i call like a traditional church and the way this works is you have a pastor or a pastoral couple or maybe a staff team if it's a big church and the pastors they do the ministry to the church like you come to church you get ministered to and then you go out you earn money so that you can keep the pastor employed and then if you want to get missional you find someone overseas uh, who's going to come visit they'll share about what they're doing and you give to the mission now let me be really clear i'm a big fan of overseas missions i'm not i'm not trying to put them down at all um, not at all they're one i've been involved in lots of them myself but but it's pretty clear to see when I, when I, you know, do a horrible job of explaining the way that church works in this way, it doesn't seem like a good model, does it? Because as we just talked about, the congregation isn't there to receive ministry. The congregation's job is actually to do the ministry. So let's, let's find a better model. This is what I, so that's what I call a top-down model. This is a side-on model. And what, what happens here is the pastor goes, okay, well, it's not our job to do the ministry. We need to release the ministry to the community. And so what do we do? We create programs. Let's start a ministry to A, to B, to C. We'll, we'll start a homeless ministry. We'll start a meals ministry. We'll start a this and a that. And we'll get the congregation involved. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get them to, to do the things. And, and then, then the congregation will be activated and they'll get to go and do the ministry outside of the church. And that'll be wonderful. Now, this is obviously an improvement in the previous model, isn't it? Because this model does activate uh, the community of the church much better than the previous model. Um, but th there's a few issues you run into, and, and I'm a big fan of church programs. Like, I'm not trying to knock programs as a general idea. Um, but, but what happens is the congregation get into this idea, or it's easy to fall into this trap of thinking that the way that the way that the kingdom comes is that we do serve the church, like we serve the programs of the church. We give up, you know, five or six nights a week to go and do stuff. We come on Sundays, we serve on Sundays, we serve on Sunday nights. Uh, we, we give our whole week to serving the church, and then that's how we bring the kingdom. Now, I've, I've seen this model work really well before, um, but it also can go really pear-shaped uh, when, when you have the wrong attitude. And so I want to suggest the model that we want to use. So that's side on. Uh, would be a bottom-up. So the way we see this, and you know, it's hard to visualize when I'm here, I'm the pastor, I'm standing in front of you delivering, you know, ministry to you, right? It can be hard to visualize, but the way that I see it is what I'm doing right now is I'm actually serving and equipping you. Like I spend time during my week digging into this stuff, digging into the scriptures so that I can, so that Jen and I together can serve you as a community to empower you, to show you what's possible when you live in the way of Jesus. Now, we, have, we are going to, in the future, we don't have many of them right now. In the future, as the church grows, we're going to start to have programs. But we have programs not because we want to serve the programs and make the programs good so that the church looks good. The programs are there and, and they're useful only as far as they equip and empower the, the community to do the ministry. And so that's the kind of church that we want to be. Jen and I, anyone else who, who comes into ministry in this church, into ministry in this church, our job is to equip and empower you because you are the army that God is raising to bring the kingdom here on earth. Is that okay? Let's see what we've got left. 
Now, the other thing that I, I actually think is really important to mention at this point, um, which we didn't talk about last time I showed you these um, beautifully designed diagrams, uh, the thing that I didn't, didn't say is that it would be easy as I'm talking through this and showing you this to think that ministry is only then goes and happens on an individual basis, like you're individually a missionary. And I think this, this, this model doesn't suggest that because as much as some of us might minister individually to people we meet uh, in our workplace, it's, it's not just an individual thing. It happens when we get together as well. And that's the beauty of being the community is that um, we're not just isolated individuals trying to do this stuff to see the kingdom come. We can actually do it together and individually. So it works both ways. So a little clarification to that. Now, how are we going for time? Wonderfully. Amazing. Um, the final thing I want to say is there's, there's a, when I gave you the rundown of the passage before, there's a bit that I kind of dramatically left off. And I don't know if anyone picked up on that. There's a really, really significant thing that Jesus says at the end that brings this all together. Because if we stopped here, it would be easy to think that we're like, we're like ministry robots. Like our job is to just go and, go and do stuff during the week and wear ourselves out because that's just what you're supposed to do if you're Christian. Um, but that's not how the passage ends. The final thing that Jesus says before he does anything else, uh, before he sends them on their ways, he says, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Now, it would be easy to think that that's just a nice sentiment. You know, when someone passes away, we'll often say something like, oh, you know, they're still with you in spirit. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to comment on that in, in any way, but it's not just a nice sentiment. You know, when Jesus said, I am with you, he, he, just a few, a few weeks later from this event, God pours out his Holy Spirit in the most dramatic way. And they realize, oh, okay, Jesus isn't just with us, you know, as a nice feeling. Jesus is actually with us in the manifest presence of his spirit. You know, the, um, the, the founding passage of this church, I'm just going to get Laura to put that up on the screen, um, is, is again from the Gospel of Matthew. We love the Gospel of Matthew today. Um, Jesus says to his followers, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doing the work of the kingdom, living a highly missional life, should not lead to burnout. It shouldn't lead to heartache. It shouldn't lead to disappointment. Because we're not doing it in our own strength. We're not doing it on our own. We don't have to come up with all of the ideas. The wonderful thing is that God has given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the presence of Jesus with us to do the ministry together. Ministry, I'm not saying that ministry in the kingdom, that living a highly missional life will be easy, but I'm saying it shouldn't be burdensome. And there's an important difference. You know, when you do mission on your own, you get tired. But when you do mission in partnership with Jesus, you get blown away when even simple acts can have the most profound, profound impact on people's lives. When Jesus, uh, when Jesus promised his Holy Spirit, he gave us a living presence that goes with us, who we can talk to, who we can learn from. And the thing I love about this model that we've been exploring for the last five weeks is that it's not just about what you can do, but it's also about remaining connected to the Spirit and remaining connected to Jesus.
our God throughout the whole process. And so the way we're going to finish this morning uh, is we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Um, fun fact for you, as many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie, I st- I'm still waiting to see it, um, but the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out in power on a vineyard church was when Lonnie Frisbee invited the Spirit to come on Mother's Day, which I think is kind of fun. So fun fact, today's Mother's Day. Let's have a go. Let's see what God wants to do. So why don't you stand? I'll give you a chance. Just have a little stretch. Spread out if you need to. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to say just a short, simple prayer, and then I'm going to invite the Spirit to come. And there's a few things that might happen. The first thing that could happen is God's Holy Spirit could come down like a waterfall and we'll have people lying on the ground and laughing and, and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be wonderful. There's a chance that might happen. It might take 10 minutes for that to happen, but who knows. Um, the other option is that we just wait in silence for an uncomfortably long period of time and, and nothing happens. I say that if you've got your eyes closed, I'm doing bunny ears, nothing happens. Um, I believe that God wants to speak to every single one of us this morning. Uh, and then the third option is that something in between happens. You know, but we're going to just, we're, I don't have a plan for what's going to happen next, for how we're going to pray, what we're going to pray for. We're actually just going to let God be God in our community. Can we do that? Cool. I'll, I'll give us some kind of guiding notes along the way. Um, so don't freak out. If it's helpful, you can put your hands out like this. Uh, I'd encourage you to close your eyes if you want to, um, just to kind of tune out the distractions and just focus in on God. Um, yeah, Lord, we, we have loved partnering with you for the last five weeks as we've sought to be highly missional people. But Lord, as we come to the end of this, as we reflect on your scripture, we realize that we can't do this on our own. We're not supposed to do this on our own. We thank you for the promise that you will be with us to the very end of the age. So come and be with us now. Come, Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.